it's interesting to see how a database basically performs. Ecosystem migration is much harder. Welcome to the Bold.com Tech Lab podcast. In this episode, we uh, dive into a subject that hasn't uh, had much coverage yet in our podcast, databases. We invited uh, the speakers of this evening's uh, meetup to share their story with you. And uh, yeah, if you have some uh, ideas for, uh, for other uh, um, episodes or want to comment uh, on previous ones, go to the, yeah, the usual uh, channels for that. Yes, so talking about the, the uh, topic of this episode. So the two guests of our show will present during the Postgres uh, user group meetup at bol.com, which is about to start shortly after this recording. The topic of the meetup was introduced as Postgres Conference U, uh, uh, Europe, the Dutch Talks. So we invited the two external speakers for this podcast and share the insights with you as well. So let's introduce them. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, Martijn uh, Dashorst. He's a software engineer uh, for over 20 years. Has worked with uh, various, data various databases, uh, uh, DB2, Oracle, SQL Server, PostgreSQL, of course. Uh, as a Java uh, developer, he has worked in the education sector for over 12 years, developed uh, student information systems for each of the Dutch levels of education, and he has worked on uh, open source Java web frameworks, uh, especially the Apache Wicket uh, one. Yeah, given numbers of presentations uh, on the subject and uh, also at the international conferences and meetups, that's also where you two met, uh, I heard, so that's good. Uh, and we have uh, Sebastian uh, Mannem, a technical uh, driven database container and cloud specialist. He, uh, he earned his stripes and was battle hardened in the Dutch government and at Bol.com, and uh, now working for Enterprise DB as a senior consultant. Um, so, yeah. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so could you uh, then give a short short thing uh, about what your presentation will be uh, about this evening? Okay, so uh, at our company we made a student information system uh, for primary education. And um, it ran on Oracle database and uh, given some financial um, incentives from mm -hmm. Oracle, we were very eager to migrate to Postgres. Yeah. And uh, last summer we completed that migration. And okay. the talk is about how do how we did that, why we did it, and uh, how we made some success uh, with it. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like a thing that more uh, companies, organizations are facing uh, yeah, this uh, year. So uh, I think that's uh, quite interesting. Yeah. And Sebastian, what do your talk be about? So in EDB, we use Slack a lot. And uh, at one day on the Slack channel, I noticed a colleague asking, like, um, how much CPU do I need if I want to do 60,000 transactions per second? And at first, everybody, including me, decided, like, but it's not really related. It's more about how fast is your storage. Um, and then I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I, I started to basically investigate. So I built a program, a test program, and I ran it in a lot of, cases and mm -hmm. basically i graphed that and that is basically what i'm presenting tonight and there are some interesting results okay well let's dive into <laughs> these results because i uh, yeah think more people are are curious uh, about that because yeah um I, I don't know what what with my database experience cpu hasn't always been the the bounding uh, uh resource to to put it like that but 
it is in some cases, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was basically how I started off with this also. So I thought like, hey, storage is usually the bottleneck. Um, and it, But it turns out that, um, for instance, Postgres relies on F-Sync a lot. Mm-hmm. So it needs to go through the storage layers. Um, and that is why storage uh, does does uh, impact, but if you do very small transactions and you do a lot in parallel, mm-hmm. basically you can do uh, a lot of that stuff uh, altogether and the storage layer doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, and at that point, basically the CPU starts to count. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, so it's what you would expect if you add CPUs to your system, this gets to be faster. Um, but it's also interesting to see what happens if you add in... So I, I tested on TempFS mm-hmm. to basically neglect storage altogether. And then you get a very nice uh, uh, yeah, m- mountain-shaped graph. Let's mm-hmm. just put it like yeah, that. Yeah. And if you, if you do this with storage, with SSDs, mm-hmm. and basically you get sort of a ramp up, yeah. and then it, it starts to ramp down. And then also the, the, the peak shifts up. So you need more... Um, parallel threads to do the same amount of, and basically it it's also getting less high. So it's it's sort of expected, but it's nice to see the graphs and how they work out. Um, and that was one of the things. Uh, the, the most interesting takeaway was basically I started building it in GoLang, mm-hmm. um, and at one point in time I decided I wanted to learn Rust, so I rebuilt it in Rust. Okay. And um, well, let's just say. Uh, for about 80 or 90% of the use cases, Golang was was okay. But at, at, uh, at certain use cases, basically, Golang couldn't go fast enough. And mm-hmm. basically, Rust went faster. So my graphs looked better and, and, and clearer, but also went f- very much higher in the queries per second, stuff like that, using Rust. So Rust is a very powerful language. And that, that was one of the most interesting takeaways I got. Okay, so, so also in comparing uh, programming languages, <laughs> exactly. You, you yeah. did also like, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, you, you did also that, and you made Rust go faster than Go f- for this specific use case. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> interesting as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you you said something about this this graph and the the, the mountain picture. Can you explain a bit more to visualize for the for the audience what? What what's happening? What do we see on the on the graphs? Uh, m- maybe we should add them ag- as well to the to the yeah. uh, show notes, of course. But uh, what do you measure? What what what's on the x's and uh, y's? And yeah. X? So yeah. basically, this was the basis of all of my uh, graphing. Uh, basically, the x axis was uh, the number of parallel threads, and the y axis was the number of transactions per second or queries per second. So if I ran inside of a transaction, basically I called it transactions per second. If I did not do any transaction control, I called it queries per second. Um, and that is basically the basis of all of, our, of, of, all of my graphs. Um, and then I have different graphs. So I have one for one CPU, one for two CPU, one for four CPU. And basically I ramp that up. And then you have different graphs that basically build up. So you also see what happens if you add CPUs. The, 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 the actual graphs are plotted next to each other. So... Yeah, that's basically what it looks like. Okay. And and what did you saw that uh, with, with the comparison with the the tempfs uh, versus uh, the SSD? Yeah, so um, if you use uh, if you use tempfs, basically storage uh, can can be neglected altogether. It doesn't really matter anymore. 
you could you could um, look at it as uh, endlessly performance storage. So that's basically why so it was interesting to look. You at You rule it. out the performance, the yeah. the storage layer to in yeah. in your. Yeah. So I I wouldn't advise run without F sync <laughs> or run on TempFS altogether. <laughs> But it's interesting to see how a database basically performs if you run on TempFS. And after that, just add uh, storage latency to it. And, and if you add storage latency, uh, you see on the, on the lower side of the scale, so if you run less parallel threads, you see very less performance, and you see actually the, the graph looks fairly different. So it's, a, it's more of an uh, yeah, increasing path. Let's just put it like that. Um, and uh, but but you also see the actual impact of it. So basically, you see that the the, the peak uh, moves up. So you need more parallel to come to the peak, and the peak is less high. And but th these are all expected things. But if you graph them out like that, and you basically compare the two graphs, it's very clear what is actually happening. And the most interesting one was that one of my colleagues reached out to me, and he said, like, I have this customer, and they're running with. Uh, this amount of CPUs on AWS and what do we expect for the number of transactions per second? And I could basically calculate it with my graphs and basically say like, hey, they do, they're, they're in between of these graphs and basically they run about 24,000 transactions per second or something like that. And they tested it out and it worked like that. So that's interesting. So you're now kind of, uh, uh, how do you call it? Um, you, you came up with a model to, to, to predict uh, exactly. Better. Yeah. Yep. And also, there's a sweet spot. So if you do more parallel, it, it gets to be less performant. If you do less parallel, it gets to be exactly. less performant. Yeah. So there's a sweet spot, and uh, we, we know where the sweet spot is. So that's so very interesting information also. So based on that, you can advise better in, 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 in what to use and yep. what, yeah, what circumstances. Yeah. When to use a connection pooler and how to tune everything and to get to the absolute performance. Let's just put it like that. Okay, maybe go over to the other talk and yeah. then see yeah, how that sure. relates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Martijn, the, the uh, move from uh, and the migration of the Dutch primary schools from Oracle to Postgres. Mm -hmm. Can you share some insights in the um, in in the project? What happened? What uh, what was the reason to do uh, those questions? Okay, so it's a uh, the system is for primary schools to run their whole school. Um, Dutch primary schools get financed by the government and um, they have to report the number of students that uh, are in the school at uh, October 1st for each year and then they get paid for that uh, some amount that's of money. Budget. Yeah. yeah, that's the budget. Um, and our system was primarily built to do that and of course then you get all kinds of different functionalities. Um, you add uh, attendance, checking or guidance or grading and all that kind of stuff. So it's a big system. And it's being used by 85% of the Dutch market. Um, okay. Education systems are really tied to the uh, locality, so it's not an international system, so we are mm -hmm. only in the in Netherlands. Um, and it was founded in 2000, it started in 2003, um, went in production in 2004, um, and actually there was the, not the first database migration we ever did. We started first at with MaxDB, from SAP. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and um, when the system started to getting popular, um, we noticed that the uh, database engine couldn't keep up with uh, demand. Mm -hmm. um, period times were all over the charts. So we figured, well, let's 
go for, with another database. We did some testing, and um, at the time, in 2005, uh, Oracle was the best uh, database. So Postgres, unfortunately, at that time, was not very good at query planning and, uh, and speed. Um, and um, so we went with uh, Oracle. Nobody gets fired for choosing Oracle, right? <laughs> Especially not <laughs> so at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and uh, we were very happy running on Oracle. Uh, we migrated from uh, the various versions uh, up till 11. And um, then we got calls from the Oracle uh, commercial guys uh, asking when we were going to upgrade to Oracle Cloud. And we figured, well, moving to the cloud we have uh, this system that's really tuned we have run on ssds so we are we know exactly what kind of type of performance we're getting um and moving to the cloud would mean very uh, and very expensive migration and our application was not very was not built for that so we figured well that's not very compatible with our uh, with our future and then um we got help from oracle in the sense that they sent an auditor to our company and uh, asked well uh, we figured that you were not compliant, and we were, but they still kept saying that we were not compliant. And ultimately, the, uh, at the end of that process, we uh, we were deemed compliant, so they they dropped the investigation. Yay, for for us, <laughs> for now, um, <laughs> for now. Um, but it took a lot of uh, effort on our side to 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 make it, to, to to tell them that we were compliant, and we didn't like that as, as well. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, the, on the technical uh, part, um, we actually want to use more than the Oracle Standard Edition provides. So okay. uh, we use the standard uh, Oracle uh, license, um, and that means you can't run on a data center storage. Um, you can't use the enterprise features for yeah. the query optimizations and monitoring. Um, um, having a hot standby is very expensive. All that kind of stuff, all the stuff you, you, you really want to have as a, as a professional organization is very expensive and not compatible before profitability. Um, so we figured, well, maybe it's time to, to migrate. And then Postgres, in the meantime, be, was very, very good as a database. We already had some uh, experience in our company. So we started the migration. Um, and because we are a Java shop mm -hmm. um, and we use... Uh, an abstraction layer above our database. The uh, migration was not. Um, how do you say that? Um, we only had to migrate the data in the database, so we didn't have to migrate much code. Yeah, so there was hardly any pale SQL in the code, hardly any triggers. Yep. Uh, maybe you used some sequences, but maybe yeah, we not. Made, we made used sequences, but we had hardly any functions. We had hardly any store procedures. Um, so. Basically, our, all our application logic is in the Java code. So we, we didn't have to uh, migrate that stuff. Um, so the complexity was not in migrating the data. It's, it's not that, it's hard, but it's not that complicated to mm -hmm. do that. Um, the ecosystem migration is much harder. So we use for reporting um, uh, business objects. Mm -hmm. And that's a PDF generator, a very expensive PDF generator. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, it has its own idea of how to query uh, on a database, and it creates a, an abstraction layer in uh, in a what they call a universe, mm -hmm. and it has right. all those uh, queries embedded in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was 
really the biggest pain in the butt for uh, for migrating uh, to uh, to Postgres to get that uh, compliant with, uh, with uh, Postgres database. Okay. So is Postgres not well uh, supported by business objects? It is, but um, um, for instance, they use archaic SQL, the the Sybase um, join uh, syntax with uh, plus operators, yeah. and that's not su uh, supported by uh, any modern database. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For instance, that, that's one yeah. of the things. And the other uh, part is that uh, the uh, queries generated by uh, the universe uh, can span many pages of uh, uh, A4 size in a very small uh, type. And um, the Oracle Automizer is really very much better than the, the, the one of Postgres, especially with uh, these complex uh, queries. So that's, uh, we had to tune those, uh, those as well. But in this case, you say the, the, the data, it's all, and this 6,000 schools are in one single database. Yes. So uh, in one single schema, so that uh, you are translating all the schools in, in one time. Or how did you, how did you prepare this, uh, this change and, and, and how it was did you execute it? That was one of the issues we had. So how do you migrate this amount of uh, things? So we looked at uh, a um, gradual migration. So you pick one school, you migrate it to Postgres, and you run it, and then uh, you pick another school, That's and you nice. migrate it. Yeah. But then you have to keep two applications running. Uh, you have to um, tell the folks that are connecting to your application through web services that uh, there are two sources where you can connect, or you have to make a proxy op solution or something like that yeah. to, to, to mitigate that. So that was quite expensive uh, to, to, to do. And um, so we figured, well, um, let's do a big bang. Uh, just migrate everything in one go. Um, but then you uh, have difficulties. How does the application perform? Because uh, if 85% uh, of the schools in the Netherlands are depending on your software, uh, you can't tell them, well, you have to wait 10 seconds uh, for every click. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they get annoyed. They get, uh, they get annoyed. And while the uh, teachers are very friendly, um, after uh, a couple of weeks of this type of application performance, they won't be. No. <laughs> um, did you run into any issues or did you tune a lot or? Uh, we had a couple of places where we had to um, tweak uh, our object relational mapper, uh, uh, so we, our Java code to, to, to emit better queries. Uh, we had to um, add additional um, indexes um, where Oracle would just figure things out. Um, or we wrote code so that Oracle wouldn't notice like that. Um, so we had to do a little bit of uh, tweaking, but in the grand scheme of things, not that much. And, and how did you find out where you had to do this? Because you want to know that in advance and not when it's in production, as you, as you were yeah. stating. So that's, that's, that was the, the, the biggest issue. Uh, how can we um, get an informed opinion whether or not this would perform? Mm. So we actually knew... Postgres is not uh, not a non-performing database. It's really actually yeah. good at it. Yeah. Um, but our application was written for over a decade against a very different database engine. So there are different optimizations you have in your code that you don't know of. Um, so we figured, well, maybe we should run some performance tests, but those actually only test your application's caching. So our, like, our Java code really is good at caching uh, data. Uh, so we uh, don't hit the database that much. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, if you go through those happy paths, you're testing only those uh, those parts. And users are really, really, really good at finding those spots where you get into performance problems. So um, actual load is what you need. So we tried to um, do a different... Uh, so we uh, did a lot of testing manually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we converted the, the developers so that they would work on the, on the process code and on the Postgres database. And um, uh, somehow we found out about the product uh, HVR um, that is uh, able to stream data from one type of database to another Another, database. And that allowed us to um, fall back if the poop hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shit hits the fan. It's not something you want. (laughs) Nope. Um, So we had a way back if we did a, a full migration in one go then you then we could switch back within a couple of hours we could switch back to oracle and have a performant application again typically you don't want that but if you can say well uh, we can uh, have one or two weeks of bad performance that's something you can tell to your customers well we are working through these pains but we trust us, we know that after two weeks it will be better and the application will perform just like before. Um, so it's not something you want to tell your customers, but it's something you can do, especially if they uh, know uh, what type of price you have to pay if you if you would migrate to a new version of Oracle. Exactly. So And, 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 uh, and this HVR tool me- meant that we could fall back again to Oracle should, uh, should uh, things not work out. Um, but we didn't need to uh, switch back after the migration, so that went uh, went very well, um, and that that was the safeguard the management needed for uh, going with, through with the uh, with the migration. So if you have a uh, way to go back, that is something they really enjoyed having. It's like an insurance policy, yeah. right? Yeah. And and the migration uh, we we started out with doing an Aura 2 PG, so that's an open source tool to migrate data from Oracle to Postgres. Mm-hmm. Um, and that took quite a while to run. So a migration of our complete database would uh, take 24 hours or 48 hours or something like that. And with HVR, it was very much uh, quicker. So within six hours, we could migrate all the data uh, from uh, Oracle to Postgres. So it's way quicker. S- <laughs> so you set it up uh, for the migration from Oracle to Postgres and for the fallback solution, you switch it the other way around and... Yeah, we, so we w- already wanted to, to have a, uh, a fallback scenario from going from um, uh, when we migrated from Postgres to Oracle. So we had to migrate first from Oracle to Postgres. So that was yeah. one HVR link. Yeah. And we already also put a HVR link from Postgres to another Oracle uh, standby. Oh, to the so Oracle standby, okay. Yeah. So this way we already always had the, the correct data and we had a, a setup for, for uh, our production run as well. Yeah. And did you do this whole setup and, and migration already in a non-pro environment to test it all, or? Yeah, we have uh, we have separate, we have uh, the OTAP uh, uh, system, so uh, that's uh, development testing, yeah. uh, uh, pre-production test and production. production. So we <laughs> did it in all the, the we did it in the extra, uh, the A phase of our uh, yeah. development. But uh, while doing that, you didn't know uh, Sebastian and his uh, <laughs> test on uh, on performance. In hindsight, what what did you encounter, and what what could be of use that you learned from Sebastian af- afterwards? Um, 
he should run on memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's the best. That's the worst <laughs> takeaway, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you did you test the backups? <laughs> <of that? laughs> so. I would say it's, it's very interesting because you basically went through the whole process yourself and you, you looked around for mm -hmm. some tools that was out there, stuff like that. And I know that uh, there are companies out there, EDB is one of them, that can help you with the whole migration back and, back and front. Uh, so, for instance, the HVR tool that you described, we also have a tool like that. Um, I just wanted to bring it forward that uh, uh, reaching out to a company to see if they could assist you might help you to go into the path a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. We, we did that, but um, uh, so the, the, the Postgres meetup, uh, or yeah. the, the Postgres uh, conference was the second conference I went to. So a couple of co-workers went to the other ones uh, for the last four years. And we met with all the uh, consultancy companies and we contacted them, but they mostly are tuned to migrating um, uh, the Oracle code for you automatically. And, okay. and the data part we already solved. Okay. for ourselves so the, yep. the only uh, thing was uh, how do you test uh, if this is going to fly or not and yep. that would be very uh, application specific and uh, uh, so so actually the consultancies we, we, we while we contact them they couldn't help us uh, that much yep true yep okay so so that was really specific for for the case you already had basically you all made it almost database agnostic only you had to test whether it really worked and really yep. Uh, was not just theory but also practice that it uh, yeah. uh, and because of the other uh, database engine that's below it, it of course has a different optimization so you had to check if all your parts uh, yeah were working still yep yeah. interesting I, in, I already heard um, Sebastian saying that one of the uh, customers they were running something in the, the Amazon cloud and you were now able to predict this new setup for Topicus, is that also running in the cloud right now or is it a, a data center? Data center. So we so have our own uh, uh, hardware with a big uh, SSD card uh, directly attached to the PCI Express uh, bus. Um, and uh, it's running on the, on the on that in our own uh, data center because we, we, we don't need the, the um, flexibility in scaling because we know exactly how many uh, customers we have and what the load will be. So okay. we don't need the uh, flexibility of the uh, and the price of uh, of going to a to a cloud provider. Okay, okay. Yeah. and so you um, then I'm assuming, but that's why I'm asking. You don't also have like like peaks in the in the numbers of transactions for like a certain period or a few days in the year where you really have to scale up. Well, uh, actually, we do, but um, we, we just uh, managed to, to buy the biggest hardware for that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> and and then <laughs> and then still holds, and that's yeah, um, yeah, a better a business case for you than scaling up and down, and yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's that's about the cloud. But for you, uh, Sebastian, do you see differences in the cloud and and running on physical machines? How do you measure that? Yeah, I. <laughs> so <laughs> I but wanted to run my system on a, on a, on a huge, you know. You have these 124 CPU systems and stuff like that. So I really wanted to run on that, but I yeah, haven't yeah, found. Yeah, go to Martijn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he has all the power, right? So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I haven't really tested with that. I tested with some stuff that I have at home, but that's not really, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't really tell well. The best I could do was uh, Power 7, which is already old also, and it wasn't the best setup. 
Um, what, what I can tell you about moving to the cloud is we see a lot of customers basically moving to the cloud. And what I also see is that a lot of customers, basically they go two, two ways. First of all, they go for like um, run Postgres on a cloud provider as the cloud provider delivers it or run it on VMs or stuff like that. What we also see a lot is that people are actually moving to Kubernetes and then run it anywhere. You can run it on any cloud and run one proposition. And uh, But there's definitely a lot of traction on migrating stuff from on-premise to the cloud. And what I mentioned is that we do a fair share of migrations ourselves. And uh, in, a, in a lot of use cases, basically, they ask us to set up exactly a streaming replication to move from Oracle on-premise to... Postgres in the cloud, uh, and, and basically the the uplink is the, the 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 limiting factor, and but but since it's streaming, basically you can build the data set over days and then let it catch up, and then it then there's an interesting use case there. So, yeah. yep. a lot of stuff going on. Okay, so far it was really a, a, a tech talk, I, I I say, but we are also <laughs> very curious, what's in it for the schools, Martijn? What 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 do the schools benefit from this uh, this migration? A couple of couple of things. Um, first and foremost, uh, we don't have to increase the price for uh, having to pay Oracle and Larry Ellison a new uh, island. Yeah. Um, we we did some um, napkin calculations, and we uh, would have had to pay approximately one million euros or something in licensing fees for migrating to the new version and run on the better hardware. So now we can, because we migrated to Postgres, we can actually buy better hardware, more powerful hardware to run our database on uh, and uh, still uh, have a, a nice margin for us and we don't have to increase the price for the schools as well. Another thing that uh, we are able to do is uh, have a hot standbys. Uh, so we have a hot standby machine. Um, so if some hardware fa uh, fails, we can easily switch. Um, and with uh, Oracle, we would have had some downtime so this is uh, another benefit. So more stability, um, better monitoring, so we can easily see um, uh, what queries are not performing, um, what <coughs> is keeping uh, the CPUs busy. Um, whereas with Oracle, it was always a black box because the tooling um, is there, but you have to pay through the nose uh, to, to, to use it. So that those are the benefits. So a better performing system, um, no increase in price um, and uh, a much more uh, stable system. Yeah, nice. So that that sounds very positive. Are there any negative sides on the, on this uh, migration? Um, well, probably some parts of the application have been uh, performing worse, and I'm not sure if the uh, migration itself uh, was something that that is that is. Uh, hindering us um, is more that um, due to growth in our user base for other parts of the application. So we have a, a, a an app where you can uh, schools uh, teachers can um, contact parents and parents can uh, talk back to, uh, to to the to the uh, teachers. Um, and usage of that app has exploded. So we run in growth uh, uh, growth pains uh, in that system. So and that and that's what uh, where where we are learning how to. Uh, do do that kind of thing, but th that was not part of the migration because they already run ran on uh, Postgres. Okay. Have you, um, did that have to do with the GDPR uh, thingy where they couldn't uh, yeah, share 
data no, about the things? No, it's more that, more that uh, for instance, uh, with uh, Sinterklaas, yeah. uh, the 5th of December, that's a big par- time uh, for schools. They always celebrate uh, mm-hmm. with the children and uh, lots of pictures get shared. Um, and um, if you have a cluster of things running, uh, those uh, typically what we want to do is cache information so mm-hmm. that we don't have to hit the database. Yeah. But to have multiple servers um, uh, sharing a cache, you have to synchronize between them. Mm. And uh, apparently that uh, took more effort than uh, disabling the cache. So we disabled the cache and the uh, application performed uh, a lot better uh, after that. That's fining. Um, th- those are the growing pains we, we, we are learning uh, with, uh, with this type of uh, usage, and, uh, uh, and but that's not, uh, not particular to the uh, to the migration. Huh. So I don't think th- we didn't have that many problems after the migration. So the, uh, I don't think the schools noticed anything of it. Okay, cool. So yeah. what I like <laughs> for Postgres is that you can very easily create new instances. Have you also considered basically scaling out like run every schema on a different instance or something like that, just exploding your data model? Um, we considered doing 6,000 schemas. Uh, that's not something we... Uh, uh, for instance, uh, that would require re- rewriting our full application mm. because we are um, very well uh, capable of... Uh, we, we, we did this for 15 years, writing uh, a, s- a single tenant or multi-tenant uh, <laughs> single uh, database, uh, single schema solution. So we had to, uh, then you have to um, uh, migrate your whole application code to, to, to make use of that. So that probably wasn't uh, the uh, uh, the best solution. Um, for our uh, secondary, uh, our high school system, uh, we are also looking at a migration, and that's com- coming next uh, sun, uh, summer. So next year, I'll probably be w- again talking about talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are looking uh, at different ways of uh, partitioning the data um, uh, with uh, different schemas or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Before we go to the closing round, Peter Paul, do you have questions left for Martijn or Sebastian? No, I really like that we did uh, a technical uh, thing like this. And uh, yeah, databases have been uh, yeah not uh, our favorite uh, topic until now. So uh, I'm really glad with this uh, conversation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the closing round. To summarize for our listeners, uh, can you share your most important takeaway? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say I, I sort of have two. So first of all, CPUs matter, and it's interesting to see how that works. And I, I want to write a blog item out of that, so that's fairly interesting. But it, I, I thought basically the thing that you could do far more with Rust, because it, it doesn't have a garbage collector and stuff like that, it's, it's native. Um, well, that was to me the, the most interesting takeaway, actually. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. <laughs> I didn't we, expect how to how end up with Rust. <laughs> how we turned uh, yes, how we turn a around. database uh, uh, episode into a programming. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> programming, lo- uh, programming language wars of bold.com. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, actually, an episode uh, coming up for Rust or yeah. not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Martijn, what, are, what is your most important takeaway? Ooh, that's a difficult one. I have a, a couple. Um, the biggest takeaway, I've, I guess, is that migrating to Oracle or from Oracle to Postgres sounds like a very daunting task, um, but it's doable, especially if you plan it correctly and if you take all the 
stakeholders into account um, and plan accordingly. Yeah. But to add to that, sorry for your, for the takeaway. <laughs> I don't want to be blunt or so, but you said uh, you d you didn't have m have much code in the database already, so that made it a bit easier, right? Is that um, yes and no. Um, for us, it made it easier because we could easily migrate the, the from data the to data, yeah. data to data. But uh, if you have lots of code in your uh, Oracle database, there are very well suited uh, companies uh, out there helping you uh, migrating that uh, code. They have automated tools to migrate the Oracle code to Postgres. So then you can use the consultancy and you don't have to figure everything out yourself. Okay. So it's a blessing and a curse. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, you said you had several takeaways. So this, this was this was <laughs> one, one that uh, the, the, <laughs> was the most important one that Peter won't okay. comment on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, and it was great to have you uh, here in the studio. And uh, uh, I enjoyed the talk as well. Talking about databases uh, is, uh, is also very good to do, I think, to reflect on, on stuff like this. So, um, yeah, thanks for your, uh, for your insights. And, uh, yeah, maybe to, uh, to the next episode. Yeah, thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. And if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun.